October 8th. As we turn our attention now to the New Testament, our reading today will be from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. We'll go through chapter 4, verse 18. Now in Colossians 3, we'll see that having laid the doctrinal foundation, Paul now makes the personal application for truth is something to live as well as to learn. In Christ, you've died to the old life and been raised to a new life. So make the new life the focus of your attention. Set your mind on it. Seek to experience all that you have in Christ. And there's something to put off. Like Lazarus, you must get rid of the grave clothes that belong to the old life. By faith, put off the old sins that bound you. Christ has set you free. And there's something to put on. God wants you to wear the grace clothes, not the grave clothes. If your focus is on things heavenly, you'll obey God in things on earth, especially in your relationships with others. And as we move on into chapter 4 of Colossians, we'll read about praying. Prayer involves a persevering will, an alert mind, and a grateful heart. And our requests should be specific and related to the ministry of the Word. Paul asked not for an open prison door, but for an open door of ministry. We'll read about witnessing. The unsaved are outside the family of God, and it is our task to bring them in. Effective witness involves walking wisely, being alert to every opportunity, and being careful in what we say and how we say it. And we'll read about informing. Paul did not hesitate to share his needs with others because he depended on their prayer support. Do you pray for Christian leaders in places of importance? Well, they need it. And then finally, we'll read about serving in Colossians chapter 4. Paul names six men who were working at his side and encouraging him in the Lord. See, even an apostle cannot get the job done alone. And how grateful he was for the saints serving faithfully in Colossae. And now let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 8th, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 18. You wives must submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. You children must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. You slaves must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Obey them willingly because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites who can get away with evil. You slave owners must be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Don't forget to pray for us, too that God will give us many opportunities to preach about His secret plan, that Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message 
as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not Christians, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and effective, so that you will have the right answer for everyone. Tychicus, a much-loved brother, will tell you how I am getting along. He is a faithful helper who serves the Lord with me. I have sent him on this special trip to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and much-loved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will give you all the latest news. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justus, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish Christians among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been! Epaphras, from your city, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident of the whole will of God. I can assure you that he has agonized for you, and also for the Christians in Laodicea and Heropolis. Dear Dr. Luke sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our Christian brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and those who meet in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the work the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May the grace of God be with you. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Mm. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we have learned. Now watch this. And what? Avoid them. Now that's kind of spooky. He says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Now he's not saying that they're causing division just because, you know, they may be a little upset about something or I mean that like the music or, you know, something's going on in their life. No, no. Specific, the division that's coming here is doctrinal division. A deviance from the truth of the scriptures is what he's talking about. And guess what? We're living in that day. We are living in that day. It's interesting. Andrew Green, my, my friend at Highways and Hedges, we were talking about this the other day. He said, you know, Pastor, he said, it's interesting. He said, I can do a happy-go-lucky video on Facebook. And I know what he means by that. Just a simple motivational rah-rah, bishkumbah, let's all love Jesus. He said, I can do one of those videos, and it'll go like wildfire, and I'll get twenty or 30,000 brand-new followers on the page. He says, but I always know how to thin things back out. He said, because if I just simply do a Bible message that is straightforward in your face, here's what the Word of God says, he said, all of a sudden they'll start dropping off like flies and eventually it'll all balance out. You know why? Because people love rah-rah, bishkumbah, Jesus sermons, but nobody wants real strong doctrine in the day and age in which we live. But we've got to give people the doctrines of the Word of God. We've got far too many Christians that have been saved for 40 years that are still planting a sandbox and sucking on a bottle of milk and they need to get into the meat of the Word of God. 
And ladies and gentlemen, we have got to feed people the meat of the word of God. That's why we're not going to dart around the issues. That's why when it's a difficult passage, we're still going to go right through the difficult passage. If it hurts me, it hurts me. If it makes people leave, it makes people leave. But we have got to give people the meat of the word of God. Because there are some people that want to come in and want to tear the flock apart through doctrinal deviation. He said, you mark those people. And then he said this, avoid them. Now, Greg didn't say that. I can't tell you who your friends are supposed to be and who your friends aren't, but I can tell you what God said. I can tell you God said, if you got some people in your life that call themselves a believer, but they are doctrinally haywire, God said, don't fool with them. He said, avoid them. Now, I don't know why that's... Listen, I don't hang around people that believe stupid stuff about the Bible. Okay? I deal with enough stupid stuff about the Bible as it is. I don't need somebody whispering in my ear a bunch of doctrinal deviations. God said, mark them and avoid them and do not fiddle with them because the worst type of an individual, the most deadly person in any church or out of any church is an individual that is half-cocked in their theology. They think they're right and everybody else is wrong. And I'm telling you, they will just about destroy the entirety of a local New Testament church. Because when someone grabs on to something that is unscriptural and they begin to run with it and they begin to work with it and they begin to justify it, I'm telling you, it will cause division in the body. We have seen it multiple times in this local church. And there is nothing that hurts a local church more than doctrinal deviation. I can put up with whiny babies, right? I can put up with people that get their feelings hurt. I can put up with people that, you know, a little gossip here, a little backbiting there. We don't just, we can, we can put up with that. that. That's my job. That's our responsibility, putting people's lives back together. But we can't put up with doctrinal deviation because it'll destroy homes. It's destroyed pulpits. It will destroy us. Be, be real careful. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get stirred up here. We're not going to get through the chapter, but I promise we're going to try to. Listen, be real careful about these guys that get up and say, now nah, I'm going to share something new with you. I've never shared anything new with you because there's nothing new under the sun. If it's new, it ain't true. If it don't come out of that Bible, then it's wrong. And everybody's like, well, I got a new, I got a new word from God. I got a fresh revelation. Well, if it don't match this revelation, it ain't fresh and I don't want it. God does not contradict himself. The Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic. He's not going to tell you the Bible means one thing and tell me it means something else, right? God is sound in his theology, and preachers ought to be sound in their theology. Matter of fact, there's only about three things in the Bible that a preacher should be fired for, right? And one of them is preaching a false gospel. And if I get to a place where I start preaching a diluted gospel, and not only watering down the gospel, but I start diverting and adding my words, and we start coming up with some crazy theological hierarchy, let me tell you something. You've got permission to kick me out of town, ladies and gentlemen, because a preacher that won't preach straight the truth of the Word of God is no God-called preacher. I don't care what people call him. I don't care how big his congregation is. If he doesn't preach the truth of the Scriptures, he is not a biblical preacher. And I'm not saying that I'm the you know end-all, be-all preacher. I'm just telling you right now that you and I need to study the truth of the Word of God and mark those people that are filled with doctrinal deviation. And the Bible says, avoid them. I ain't sitting down and arguing with them because you can't argue with them because a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. 
They're of the same opinion. You will not convince them. Once somebody jumps off the, the ledge of, of unscriptural theology, then guess what? Their lens is tinted, so everything they read in the Bible is going to be seen through that lens. They're going to justify. They're going to see everything through the lens of what has been corrupted. So you be careful. I'm telling you, we're going to have doctrinal purity in this church. And when I have said things that are not right, I've grabbed this microphone and I have publicly apologized. That is not what it meant, and I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to change it. I'm not too big for that. Because when we're wrong, we're going to admit we're wrong. But we know this, God's never wrong. Amen? Psalm 78, verses 56 through 72. Yet though he, God, did all this for them, the Israelites, they continued to test his patience. They rebelled against the Most High and refused to follow his decrees. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents had been. They were as useless as a crooked bow. They made God angry by building altars to other gods. They made him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry, and he rejected Israel completely. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword, because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered, and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then the Lord rose up, as though waking from sleep. Like a mighty man aroused from a drunken stupor, he routed his enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. There he built his towering sanctuary, as solid and enduring as the earth itself. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs, and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people Israel. He cared for them with a true heart, and led them with skillful hands. Proverbs 24, verses 28 and 29. Do not testify spitefully against innocent neighbors. Don't lie about them. And don't say, Now I can pay them back for all their meanness to me. I'll get even.